Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in to this Thursday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside former NFL general manager Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni with you. We got primetime NFL Thursday night football upon us tonight as the Pittsburgh Steelers are three-point favorite against the Tennessee Titans. We'll get to some injury updates and thoughts on the game there. We also have the final half an hour of the show where Mike Palm, VP of Circa, will join us in studio, talk through all things contest. We'll also get Palm's pressing three, the detailed questions for Michael at the end of the show. So lots of great stuff coming up this hour and Michael let's start with Thursday night football because every Thursday I go through a mental a mental test with myself rather analyzing your Twitter and wondering if the most positive tweet we're going to see is about Al Michaels not or if it's going to be about yes. the game Oh, it's definitely going to be about Al. I mean, Al's on a streak that you can't deny. I mean, how can you deny that tie? It's going to be brilliant. And where where is it? Well, it might be cold in Pittsburgh. Sometimes he goes with that sweater to cover mm. up the tie, which is very disappointing, you know? Breaks your heart. I hope he doesn't. It breaks my heart. Well, I am positive on there because I'm negative about the sick. I mean, I went off on the Chicago Bears because I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I'm usually pretty positive. I'm upbeat. Mm. I mean, I mean, you talk about mm. negative. I'm watching the games with Big Daddy on my couch lately. I mean, that's been, you know, that he's not happy He's the with one anybody. that's been negative. Yeah, I mean, I just get like at some point, it's really hard to understand why teams do dumb things. It really is. Oh. You know, I, I it's <laughs> I just was list, looking at at, at uh, Nick Saban. You know, he's on the McAfee show, and and you know, look, I get I get a lot of crap from people. You know, you don't like analytics. Well, you know, the analytics doesn't tell you. What Nick just said here is so true. The analytics a don't tell you who's on the field. That's a and b they don't tell you what happens if the outcome's wrong. They never tell you that, right? Yeah. So like when these teams go for it on fourth down, I, I can't resist like. I didn't realize three points were so bad. I'm just saying it's a regular treat for me. It's a sport in itself watching your Twitter on some of these game I'm days. I'm going to turn into positive. I'm okay. going to be I'm going to be so <laughs> nice. Everybody's going to play right field. We're going to go to Dairy Queen after the game. Everything's going to be good. There we go. There we go. Um, and also, I wonder if if you want to go to Dairy Queen, we'll go to Dairy Queen. It's not a problem. I, I mean, wherever you want to go, we'll go. Sign me up for a Reese's Blizzard, extra Reese's, please. Which I want. I was gonna say, I wonder if <laughs> Halloween is Al Michaels' favorite holiday because of the whole I, he's never eaten a vegetable in his life thing. That still is mind-boggling. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid that? I like, I guess tomato's not a vegetable, right? Tomato's a fruit, right? So he gets around that one with the, you know. There's um. I don't know. Okay. How do you do that? Like I, I know we have sports to talk about, but I, mean, I have, he's never had lettuce before. 
Like, if you grow up Italian, you don't have, like, how do you not have lettuce? You got oil and beans. You got all sorts of different things that come with it. Like, how do you do that? So there's this, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those, like, that TLC show of, you know, it's a something life, right? Like, there's, like, my 600-pound life or you have the whatever things. There's one, it was, like, my strange addiction. And the strange addiction was, like, this person had, like, never had a vegetable before and they never wanted to. And they smelled a piece of broccoli and, like, almost threw up. I can't, that, how are people this way? It's crazy crazy. So I can't remember the exact name of the show. I'll look it up for the next commercial break. Anyways, we do have football on our television screen. That's what the people came here for. Like I said, the Steelers are a three point home favorite. And this is an interesting situation because as far as injuries on the Steelers side, we know that they're going to have no Minka Fitzpatrick, which is a huge loss, obviously to that defense, their quarterback, a little bit compromised dealing with the rib injury, but they do get Cam Hayward back. We did see Deontay Johnson back out there on the field. So some positives there for the Tennessee Titans. They're going to be without one they're starting offensive tackles, which is uh, obviously going to be tough against some of the defensive power that the Steelers have, but some fun and excitement surrounding that rookie quarterback, Will Levis, in his debut. Can we see more of that? What are just some of your big thoughts coming into Thursday night and how you're analyzing things? Well, look, we last week, what the Steelers can't do is start the game like they did last week offensively. Four, three and outs, and you're behind nine, nothing. You know, and you lose control of the game, you can't get it. They've got to find a way to be a little bit better in the first half, first quarter particularly. They've got to do that. And if they can do that, now, one of the advantages people have had against the Titans of late is they've been able to run the football. When you look at it, the Colts run for 193, right? The Ravens run for 139, and then the Falcons run for 140. So teams have been able to run the football a little bit, which is typically not the case against the Titans. They're usually a really good run defense. Now, you can throw the ball on the Titans. The problem is, can you protect? Can you protect the passer on the Titans with Simmons inside and Landry and all their physicality up front? And that has really been a problem for Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh's going to have to make an explosive play. If Pittsburgh thinks they're going to go 12 plays and score on this team, they'll mess up one of the plays. And that lends itself into a problem because when you take away the two explosive plays in Pittsburgh's offense, the 71-yarder and the 72, they're under they're like 9.1 yards per, per, per completion. It's ridiculously bad. And the other thing that kills Pittsburgh and why their defensive numbers are not so good, because I believe this, the way to play great defense in the NFL is to play less defense. And Pittsburgh's playing 33 minutes a game of defense. And their opponents have the ball, you know, they're on the field for that long. They're playing way more plays. They've played essentially 68 more plays than the opponent. They've played a game more than their, than their offense. That wears on you. Nobody can, See, plays are like the time clock in football. How many plays you play. When, you're, when there's an imbalance between offense and defense of 60 plays, 64 plays, that's an entire game. So instead of playing 17 games, you're playing 18. You don't think you get worn down? Well, Michael, this is a line that I feel like has stayed relatively stable. It's kind of ticked back and forth from the two and a half and three. There are a lot of lines this week that have been pretty steadily on the move. And I'm curious if you think this is the the right side or not. Let's start with the New Orleans Saints, who have gone from a six point favorite to now eight and a half against the Bears. Do you think that that is the right side that people have been buying in on New Orleans in this spot? I think it's a mistake. I don't know how I, I don't know how you can. Because New Orleans hasn't demonstrated, other than the 511 yards they gained against the Colts, they haven't done that against really anybody. And the Bears are actually playing better defense. You know, they faced Herbert the other day, but they are playing better defense. I think this line's re- – I mean, I don't know if I have the guts to recommend it on Sunday morning or take it in Russo. I'll be perfectly honest. But eight and a half just seems like way too many points, right? I mean, in my line, I had it at five. Really? Now it's all the way up to eight because the betting market stretched it out. It's eight and a half. I mean, if I just stay with my numbers, I've got to go with it. Do you trust Carr and an eight and a half point dog? I mean, that's a, do you do that? I know they're playing against a rookie quarterback and Dennis Allen's defense is tough, but you know, like, I don't know how you can do that. Yeah, that I think trust is the perfect word because they, while we've seen some obviously good moments and last week was a great moment for New Orleans, how often have we seen them put it together in all facets? Like 
not very much. And Derek Carr is not somebody that has been reliable this season. And at that type of a number, it does feel like it's too many in my mind. Um, how about the New England Patriots who, you know, this is another team we talk about not really liking to lay a number as a favorite, but that's gone from now one point favorite to three against the commanders and Washington obviously just played the Eagles pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, and everybody should be. What I find this hard to believe is why are not people more on Washington? That's up to three and a half in a lot of places, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why are people not on the way Washington threw the ball on Philly in two games and how they've scored? Like, why aren't they up to more? But I think the reason is, is because they lose the two defensive ends. Their secondary is atrocious. They can't cover anybody. Their defensive numbers are as bad as it gets, right? And so you can't really count on that. And the one thing we do know about one thing we do know about Mac Jones is when the competition is less, you know, he tends to play a little bit better, you know, and, and against these against this secondary, they should. And Rivera as a dog is usually better than Rivera as a favorite. So you think, OK, that would help. But I just think the Patriots, if they can protect, if their offensive line's healthy, they will move the football. They will move the ball. See, what happens to Mac Jones is when the opponent can really move the ball and score, he can't play up to it. When the defense allows less than 24 points, Mac Jones is a good player like that because Mac doesn't put enough points in the end zone. I mean, last week was his 15th career game where he had two or more, you know, he had two or more touchdown passes. 15th. Michael, I know that. And, And where it's killing him, where it's killing him too, Stormy is he can't throw the ball down the field. Like he has the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback in the league, including Jordan Love, on throws over 20 yards. And that interception to Jalen Ramsey was just a killer. I think that's the thing with Mac Jones that's that's the most difficult to watch is that he makes the backbreaking plays that cost you a game more often than he makes the plays that can win you one. But with there never being a lack of motivation being an NFL player playing an NFL game. I know that. But do you do you think that Mac Jones has taken a little bit of a turn of a corner for the better with his job hanging in the air the way that it has, that he's kind of gone out and grabbed it more lately? Well, I mean, he, you know, he still turns the ball over. He didn't turn the ball over against Buffalo, which they finally beat Buffalo. They broke that jinx. So he didn't turn the ball over in that game. Bourne fumbled one of those plays, and he did lead them down the field for a game-winning touchdown. So, you know, the, the real key to this game is can, can they play from in front? You know, yeah. they get off to a 7 nothing lead against, the, against the, the Dolphins, and, they, of course, they give it right back up. Yeah. They've got to be able to pressure Howe, and they've got to be able to really protect protect Mac so that they can throw the football because everybody has thrown the ball effectively on Washington. They're just such a frustrating team. You beat the bills, but then you lose to the Raiders and you lose bad to the saints. And it's just, it's, they have been a really, really weird, uncharacteristic Patriots team. They've um, won one home game. Yeah. They've won one home game. Yep. So again, laying three in this spot against the Washington commanders. Um, speaking of those Raiders, we have a topic concerning them and their quarterback coming up in no way or no doubt. You will not want to miss it. Keep it locked right here on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., 
and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. With all four major sports in action, there's no better time to be a sports better. And with our new Sports Equinox special, no better time to be a VSIN Pro subscriber. Sign up now and get full VSIN Pro access to everything we do through May 1st for only 120 bucks, including daily best bets, unlimited access to our betting splits, plus our exclusive betting content. For college football, the rest of this NFL season, March Madness, the NBA and NHL regular seasons, as well as the NFL draft coming up in the summer. Don't miss out, though. It's a limited time offer. VSIN.com slash subscribe is how you can sign up. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Speaking of the sports equinox, we talked about the World Series going through with the Texas Rangers getting their first in franchise history, but we've got some important topics to hit here, Michael, in no way or no doubt in the NFL. Let's roll it. Do you disagree with these takes? No way. Uh-uh, no way. Or do you approve? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi. No way or no doubt. All right, Michael, the first big decision as interim head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce, was that he's going to go ahead and bench Jimmy Garoppolo starting this week. Aiden O'Connell is going to be the starting QB. But listen, we saw last year what happened with Derek Carr when they elected with the injury guarantees just to say, hey, you go ahead and stay home. No way or no doubt the Raiders should cut Jimmy Garoppolo before the end of the season. Similar reason talking about that guaranteed money they'd be on the hook for. Well, you know, the problem is, and and I think it would make sense, they're not going to guarantee it based on the way he played, so they're going to get away from it. Uh, The problem would be is who's going to go in? You cannot put Brian – I'm surprised they haven't cut Brian Hoyer yet. I would suspect that at some point they're going to cut Brian Hoyer and bring somebody else in because you can't put Brian Hoyer in a game. Like, you you just can't do that. You know, and without Josh there and without anybody else with the offense, you can't put Hoyer in the game. And you run the risk of Garoppolo getting hurt, which in all honesty is a really high risk because every yeah. time he gets hit, you think he is going to get hurt, unfortunately. So I think I think to me, you know, if they can get through this game without using the quarterback, they got to bring two quarterbacks in and they've got to make a decision so they can preserve whatever cap room they need for next year. Remember when J- McDaniels came in there. This wasn't a healthy cap either. Like, remember that all the money they spent on, you know, people forget the Gruden administration when they signed Antonio Brown. All those guys they signed, go back and look at that money they spent on that team. Just spend some time on that. People's memory is so short, but remember, they traded, they traded away Khalil Mack. They traded away Amari Cooper, and then they went back and, you know, and then they went and started to sign all these guys in free agency, and they signed Antonio Brown. Remember they were on, what year were they on uh, Hard Knock, Stormy? I mean, what was it, like 2020? Yeah, that was the, that was the Gruden, that was the Gruden year before 
everything came down, right? So yeah, Elliot says 2019, not 2020, but right before all that stuff happened. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they spent a lot of money. When Gruden's first year there, he's put a lot of money in there. Look, I think the one biggest mistake the Raiders made and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler made is when Stidham played that good game, they should have signed him. They tried to sign him and Denver outbid him. You know, and they say, well, you know, he didn't want to compete. Well, I mean, the problem is when you take a guy and he played like he did against the 49ers, you almost have to swallow it and sign him. Like, and now they're out there. They didn't have Stidham. You know, they have to, you know, they lose out on, they can't trade up to get a quarterback. They're in the worst place you could be. And now all of a sudden you're at the mercy of Garoppolo and you have no young player. And then they wouldn't play Aiden O'Connell. Like, it, like if you had to do it all over again, you probably would have been better off just starting Aiden O'Connell at the beginning of the season. Well, especially when he came in with the foot stuff already and having to pass the physical later when all of that information came out. And again, like when we look at the numbers here, Vegas already on the hook for another 11 and a quarter million guaranteed next year, no matter what they do. If he gets hurt, that goes up to 25 million. So food for thought on Jimmy G. How about this next one? The winner of Sunday's Dolphins Chiefs game will be the number one seed in the AFC this postseason. No way or no doubt. If it's the Chiefs, no doubt. If it's the Miami, no way. How's that answer? <laughs> that's a very, you, that's Elliot, a very, that one. that's a very Michael Lombardi answer. So belief in the Chiefs, not in Miami, regardless of outcome. And I know so much of that comes back to the Miami's defense got a Miami. tougher road. Who's gonna, ch- who's gonna challenge Kansas City? I mean, Kansas City's six and two, and they haven't even played their best game yet. Well, that, we, know, have great AFC, we have great AFC matchups this weekend. We got this one as well as Bills Bengals. Yeah, I mean, so we got the yeah, we got this one to start the day off Sunday morning, which will be great from Germany, and then we got other ones during the week. We got Cincy Buffalo, you know, so that'll be a great game, and we got Dallas Philly. I mean, in the NFC, you can't. I mean, there will not be anybody. I mean, if if you're a burglar and you wanna and you wanna make a good living, you come back to the East Coast around the Philadelphia because everybody's gonna be locked in their homes. Like, there's no chance anybody's everybody's watching that game. Mm. Okay, let's go to Green Bay. There's going to be, like, okay, it's been a struggle. Let's just put it that way. It's been a struggle for Jordan Love this season. Um, See, we have to, I I come with positivity to the program, Michael. It's been a struggle for Jordan Love this season. I'm going to remember that tonight. I'm going to remember that tonight. I'm going to be all positive. (laughs) Everything's wonderful. Oh, you sacked the quarterback. You missed the protection. It's not a problem. I love it. It's fine. It's all good. I'll be keeping an eye on that Twitter timeline. I'm just saying, take a note out of the positivity playbook (laughs) once in a while. That's all you got to do. It's not just about Al Michaels tie sometimes, but okay. Jordan Love, it's been a struggle for him. General manager over there with Green Bay, Brian Gutekunst, who obviously selected Love in the draft, said we've got 10 games left. It's going to be a very important 10 games. We've got to get better as a unit, and I expect that to happen over the next 10 games. So I think that, in my mind, is kind of putting Jordan Love on notice that you've got to produce. Otherwise, this isn't going to be your team moving forward, and there are other opportunities for us in the draft moving forward. No way or no doubt. Jordan Love will be the Packers quarterback no in 2024. He will. No, no, no doubt that what you just said to to Gutekunst is, oh, you agree with is me. right. Okay. I agree with you there. No way I think Love's the quarterback next year. I just don't. I, I mean, unless he does something changing the course of his play over the next eight games, ten games, I just don't see it. I don't see I don't see how you could sit there and say we're gonna do it. It's a little bit like the same dilemma Atlanta's in. Right? What did we say all offseason? Ritter doesn't look like the guy, right? Ritter doesn't look like the guy, but they did. They thought he did. Now they got Heineke, and, you know, Heineke even says, well, it's Ritter's team, but no, now we're going to play you, Taylor. I think you got to be really careful about assuming the guy's going to be good. You got to be really careful. And now we know that there's peaks and valleys. I mean, remember, when they drafted Phillip Rivers in San Diego, Drew Brees wasn't the Drew Brees that we know. It was after they drafted him that he came and all of a sudden it clicked. It took a while. Michael, I think you skipped along in the rundown today because the very next thing I was going to ask you, no way or no doubt Desmond Ritter started his last game of the season for Atlanta. No, no, no doubt. No way he has. I mean, he'll be back he'll in. Be back. Heineke will. Heineke's not a, he's a middle reliever. They're going to have to come back to Ritter at some point. Ritter isn't as bad. He's not, I mean, he turns the ball over, Stormy. The thing that worries you so much about Ritter is the team. 
has its doubts. And here's where the other thing that worries me about Ritter is when you watch this Falcon team. Now, we know they spent a lot of money on the skill. They've been, they've done everything that I would never do, which is draft offensive skill players. And But they think their line's great. They think their line is really good. I mean, Ritter's been sacked 25 times already this year. And, and, and it isn't because he's holding the football now. You know, I mean, it's like he get, he's getting sacked way too much. You know, for eight games, I mean, that's way too much. Not all on him, but it hasn't been good. And between that and the interceptions, just the, the fumbles in the red zone, like things that you can't do. Now, you think Ritter will be back. Can I put it in perspective for you, though? As bad as Ritter is, as bad as he's played, and he's not great, he's still yards per attempt is higher than Daniel Jones ever in his career. <laughs> Gosh, Daniel Jones. Again, Daniel Jones back at quarterback. It appears this week against the Raiders and the Giants are still an underdog. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about that game here in a little bit. Last one in no way or no doubt. We say Ritter will be back. Will Ryan Tannehill be back? No way or no doubt. Ryan Tannehill has started his last game with the Titans. It's Will Levis team this year. No doubt. I mean, they did not redo any part of Tannehill's contract. They wanted the flexibility. They wanted no more cap debt on Will Lewis, on, on, on Tannehill. It's over. He's he's going to be on another team next year. Where that will be, I don't know. But you got to be really careful about that, too, because, you know, you've got to be really worried about, is he going to be able to, to, uh, to stay healthy? Because Tannehill, the last couple seasons, has not stayed healthy. Yep, obviously dealing with the ankle right now, but okay. And the music. That's today's edition of No Way or No Doubt. I, this is one of my, my like most enjoyable segments, but today I think I did a bad job of teeing you up on things. I was giving my opinion, and then I made you say No Way or No Doubt. I got to just stick no, to it. Just good. stick to the question. Stick to the question. But no, this is fun. I love it. Um, we're going to take a we're step good. aside. We we're got. It's all positive. It's all positive. Positive Polly's Michael and Stormy on the Twitter timeline today during Thursday Night Football. Get excited, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick timeout when we come back. Final half hour of the show. We'll have Mike Palm join us in set here in Las Vegas, VP of Circa Resort and Casino. Talk all things Circa contest and beyond with Palm's pressing three. Don't miss it. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this week, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code VEGAS when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We are live and rolling along here on the Lombardi line. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. And now we welcome into the program, like we always do on a Thursday, Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, where I am broadcasting from. Welcome in. Well, always is a strong word, but occasionally on a Thursday, I'm able More to More Thursdays than not. I, I, I wouldn't want to live on the difference. Michael, how are you? I'm good. I mean, Poppy's not going to be with us. He's done for the season. He weren't here ever he went to, so it's welcome back, Mike. We appreciate it. It always comes back to Big Poppy. Jeez Louise. Speaking of baseball, though, yeah. what kind of play did we get on the World oh. Series? This was like the... Was, it, I mean, nobody right. watched this World it Series, I feel like, Nielsen unfortunately. Ratings. It rivaled the Nielsen ratings. Uh, it was our lowest handle on a World Series since Dang. 2020 during the pandemic when, you know, no fans were wow. allowed and the Dodgers beat beat the, the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, I told myself I was going to watch this World Series because I'm a baseball's my fit. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I watched nine full innings of this. I watched most of the first game. I watched the first part of the second game and that was it, you know, but Halloween got in the way. And then Monday night I was watching the Raiders and the yeah. Lions. And and then last night I turned it on because I saw on my phone, Gallon had a no hitter through five. So I turned it on until he didn't have a no hitter. So you turned it on in the sixth and I then had things no changed. I, I had no betting interest uh, other than I did bet Merrill Kelly in game two and they won, but that was it. My theory was the, the price was too high on Texas and I was going to let them win game one, which they should have lost and then come back. And I could have got 265 on Arizona, but I'm glad I just bet game two and not the rest of the series because they got wiped out after that. Mike, this this week, this line, yeah. these lines yeah. look to me like 
you know, on the what I look at, Miami's getting a little bit of money, but the line's moving toward them. Chargers, the line's moving towards them without money. Baltimore, line moving, no money. Buffalo, line moving, no money. Like, what do you make of this week's card? And is there one game that just jumps out at you? Well, it's a really good weekend, I think. Um, I think we'll find out where teams are. I think we'll find out where the Cowboys are. That's kind of getting undersold, this Cowboys-Eagles game, because right. everybody's focused on Frankfurt, Germany, and, and the Dolphins and the Chiefs. I think a really underrated game in the morning slate is also Seattle at Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll find out yes. how good is Geno Smith when they have to go on the road in that environment against a very good team. I mean, you could make the argument for three or four different teams are the best in the AFC in my mind. You can make the argument for Kansas City. You can make the argument for Baltimore. I think you can make the argument for Cincinnati. And you could make the argument for Jacksonville, who's the best team in the AFC right now. So it's a very balanced landscape. Uh, I think, Michael. Yeah, it is. And I mean, look, you can make the case for, I mean, we got, you didn't mention Cincy Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. that that's going to be a good game, you know? And so yeah. I, 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 I think the card's good. I just think it's a hard, ha- like last week, I thought it was a, I thought it was a dangerous card because there were so many home dogs that they all weren't going to, you had to pick your spots on the home dog this week. You know, are you going to lay eight and a half with, P.J. Walker on the uh, at home against them. I, I don't know how you do that. Are you taking the eight and a half with the Bears? I, I, to me, there's just some games that just you can't even discuss, or maybe you can, and maybe I'm just missing it. So let's look at it from a survivor perspective, because we have 1,201 entries yeah. remaining, and I think that 95% will be split between these three games, between the Browns, the Saints, and I think Atlanta's a sneaky survivor play. Um, with Hall starting for the Vikings and having to go on the road and everybody thinking that Atlanta will be better with Heineke. You know, I was going to ask this, Michael, in the pressing three. Well, let's just ask it now, and, and I have a substitute question ready for you there. Which newly named starting quarterback this week, newly named this week, has the best chance at point spread success? Is it Mitch Trubisky tonight versus the Titans laying three? Is it Brett Rippon catching three and a half at the Packers? Is Aiden O'Connell laying two against the Giants here in Las Vegas? Or is it Hall or Heineke? That line is numbered at four between Minnesota and Atlanta. Hold on real quick. Is I Mr. Trubisky going tonight? I thought, I thought it was Kenny Pickett. Oh, is it Pickett? Yeah. Uh, well, he's, Kenny Pickett at least said he's going. But yes, continue okay, beyond that. Okay, cross Trubisky out and but go with those three. MB- I we thought could it was- see it. We could see MVP Mitch coming down. We could see a little bit of that. <laughs> I, I, I think that the I agree with you. I think Atlanta's a sneaky <laughs> a survivor play. I think Atlanta's a, a really good play. I know Minnesota's played better defensively, but with Hall at quarterback, I don't think Dobbs. The the what worries you about about Minnesota is they have no running game, <laughs> and really Cousins carried the team. He carried the team. You know, he made all the throws. And now what, when, when one of the reasons the league has so many bad teams in it is because there's so many, there's not, not enough quarterbacks to go around. And now Minnesota is going to be in that category of Chicago, the Raiders, the Giants, Carolina, teams that don't have quarterback playing up to the same level. And they have no run game. So I think Atlanta, I think Heineke it could really do a good job there. And I also think that, you know, that he gives them the best chance to win the South because who is the best team in the South? It could be Atlanta. It could be New Orleans. It could not be Carolina. I don't think it's Tampa either. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Tampa's got the big one this week. I mean, Tampa, I mean, look, here's here's what I think people have to understand. C.J. Stroud has not played the way he did earlier in the season, he hasn't played that way so far this year, the last three games. And against Todd Bowles, he's got to play a little bit better. I agree with you. Like, I don't want to take, like for me, when I do Russo tomorrow, like I, I, I want to take Tampa, but I can't because I can't take Baker Mayfield and watch it. Let's stay along the lines of these new young quarterbacks, though. I'm curious your opinion too, Mike, with Will Levis playing tonight. Is what we saw last week, is that 
reality or is that kind of a one game sample size rookie debut and nobody has a lot of tape on you this week it's going to be a different situation on Thursday night well I think the teams are a little different everybody wants to draw the badget comparison first game at home then go on the road um obviously the Steelers defense is going to try to pressure him um, I thought he had a lot of wide open throws last week, honestly, against Atlanta. I didn't think he had to make a lot of tough throws. Um, but he looked better than I would have thought for a first start, right? And they went and they won that game. So uh, I didn't list Levis because he started the game already. It's an interesting game tonight. It's a tough place to play. The surface is tough. The weather is tough. The crowd is tough. It's just a tough for a young quarterback to go in there. And I'm not sure the Titans defense is any good either michael i mean they've they've they've, outside of last week their only flash in the pan this year was when they absolutely destroyed cincinnati so they haven't been consistent at all no no i agree and and where they've been leaky (laughs) really is they've been leaky they've been getting up runs i mean the last three weeks they teams have run the football on them and when you can run on them look the other thing you know you can throw the football on them I mean, you can actually throw the ball on them. And Atlanta, what Heineke did late in the game, now he didn't convert that fourth down, but they were moving the football on them. There's no question. Well, I'm confused about tonight. I have no... Like, I went into it totally wanting to fade the rookie quarterback, Mike Tomlick's success against rookies, especially at home, thinking in game two that he wasn't going to be as good on the road. Like you said, same thing with Bajan. But I really, I don't know. I thought that I was going to have a play in this game on Pittsburgh, and now I think I might just avoid it altogether. There's an interesting prop tonight that Paul Howard pointed out to me this morning about longest field goal made. How, what's the yardage? I think it's 47 and a half or 48 and a half. That's a tough place to kick Heinz Field. Yeah, uh, it, it, I would lean under just to have some action on the game because you're always going to have action on that field goal prop, right? You got to pay attention, pay attention. That'll keep you invested well, just in the like Thursday no night game. Defensive special teams touchdown, yeah. right? You got to watch every, <laughs> you got to watch every play. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny you you say that, Mike. And I this morning I'm looking, I'm going through the the game stats and doing all this and prepping for the week and. I mean, it just it blew my mind. Do you realize Justin Tucker's one for four outside of fifty yards this year? I would have never I guessed do. it. I told you he's on my fantasy team, Michael. Oh. So we go from having the one game <laughs> where it's all field goals, all Justin Tucker all the time, and now I just want to kill this guy because he's missing chip shots. What's happening, JT? Meanwhile, isn't chip bo- shots bo- at 50 yards. Yeah, get, look up, I, for him, it should be. Isn't, for him, it should be. Some of these kickers are... And, and this woman here, Mike, Mike, this woman here is woman. complaining that I'm negative, and she's calling a 50-yarder a chip shot. I mean, seriously. Fantasy is a different she game, should, okay, she Michael? Should, she should be a Raiders <laughs> fan, Michael, with her expectations. Oh, uh, meanwhile, Okay, I'm not about, that to Lulu. Now, you know Boswell is really underrated. Nobody talks about Boswell, but all he does is make all these difficult kicks and all the kicks that you need to make uh, and has been really steady there for the Steelers for a long, long time. If I feel this way and about a Justin, really hard place to kick. Yeah, it's the worst place to kick in the whole NFL. I don't think it's close. Michael, I'm yeah. just going to say if I, I feel this right. if I feel this way about Justin Tucker, imagine how I really feel about the way that Moody has performed so far this season. So that oh my gosh, that poor guy. Oh my god, not not ideal. Um, we're going to step aside real quick here on the Lombardi line, but excited when we return. Palms pressing three, three need to know questions from Mike Palm to our guy Michael Lombardi. We'll be right back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money can't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a more informed, better year-round. Check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni, and Mike Palm with us as it is time for palms pressing three okay here we go michael question one mike florio has said that it's more than a whisper that the new commander's ownership will reach out to robert Kraft after the season in an attempt to obtain the rights to bill belichick does this move make sense for all parties well i mean look if you can get if you're washington and you can get a coach like belichick don't you have to make the call how many other teams should call chicago should Carolina call? I mean, you know, it's just not limited to the teams that that perhaps are having bad seasons. It's limited to the teams that are having maybe their little doubts about their coach. Should the Falcons call? Should the Saints call? I mean, clearly this is, you know, somebody's saying something about perhaps he's available. Now, where that comes from, I don't know. But I know this. I, there's no better coach in the league who's getting better at his job. Do they have? Does every coach go through some tough times? Of course, Pete Carroll's going through some tough times too, you know. And and they all do. Sean McVay's going through some tough times. I mean, Sean McVay gets a pass. He won one Super Bowl. Belichick can't get a pass because he's won six. And of course, Brady won every one of them. You know, Brady played offense and defense. I don't know if you missed that, Mike. <laughs> he played offense, defense, and in the kicking game. He did everything in all six Super Bowls. Belichick just showed up and he basically put his headset on him when the game was over. He gave it back to him. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's how ridiculous people are with this conversation. And you're talking about one of the greatest coaches of all time. Why wouldn't you call? I go back to the first Super Bowl with Madden saying Belichick was out of his mind for trying to run a two-minute drill with Brady. Just go to overtime. <laughs> there you go. And here's about that Super Bowl. You know, all the geniuses, Asante Samuel, and all these people that go on TV and say it's all Brady. Brady threw for 134 yards in that game. 134 yards. They played the greatest show on turf. They ran for 133. In the last Super Bowl, just so we get this out there, the MVP of the game was Julian Edelman. They scored 13 points. It takes both of them together to win. Don Shula went four years without Dan Marino. With Dan Marino, didn't even make the playoffs. It's, a, it's really a, the laziest narrative you could possibly ever hear. They need each other. And great quarterbacks with a great coach 
win championships. And great quarterbacks, it's no secret, especially based on what we've seen this year, hard to come by. You, you mentioned Shula, though, Michael, so I'm going to sneak in a question here real quickly and interrupting the pressing three, don't hate me. But do you think that he'll have a better opportunity to beat the record in a place like Washington than he would remaining in New England? No, I, I actually, I disagree with the narrative New England has no talent. New England lacks a quarterback. I mean, you know, they, they've missed their two best defensive players against Miami, and, and they held them to 31 points, and really it should have been a little less based on a call, but they're not as bad as you think. They really aren't. they got to get their offensive line fixed. There's no question. They need more juice at the receiver position. No question. But they're not as bad. You put, you put Josh Allen on their team, you don't think New England's defense is better than the Bills' defense? Question two. Yeah, mine was 1A, 1A. 1A. Question two, Michael, you do a great job with the Daily Coach and reflecting on leadership at all levels in all sports. Last night, we lost Bob Knight, who when he retired had the most wins in the Mm -hmm. history of college basketball, tied for fourth all time with three national titles and certainly was an icon in both the college basketball world and the state of Indiana. What are the great lessons to be learned from Bob Knight? I think Bob Knight considered himself a teacher. Bob Knight was a curious person who read quite a bit. I think if you go back to his childhood where he just devoured books as a young kid and he studied the game and he was a historian of the game, you know, and he respected those who came before him. And he had a belief in a code as a coach. He's going to play man to man, was going to teach man to man situational. I think when you watched his practices, for all the people that want to criticize him, if you ever just went and watched his practices, you would have been amazed at how organized and detailed they were and how he was able to bring everybody to the level that they needed to get to in terms of performance. A coach's job is to get the best out of every player. And that's what Knight did. And he was a teacher. Why did he not let people into his practice? Because the chemistry teacher doesn't let people into their classroom. Because they're both teachers. And I think that's was. I learned a lot from watching him work. I learned a lot from conversations with him and Belichick. And I learned a lot about the perspective of understanding how to see the game and what causes you to win and what causes you to lose. Three national titles, 900 wins, and he only coached one NBA All-Star, Isaiah Town. Now, Landon Turner would have been an NBA All-Star had he not crashed a car. And that whole story upon itself tells you a lot about Bobby Knight. Okay, Michael, the last question I wrote on Monday night late as the game was ending in Detroit, not knowing what was going to happen the rest of the week. And, and here's the question. With 8.08 left in the first half and having been thoroughly outplayed and the field tilted in Detroit's favor, the Raiders got the ball only down 9 to nothing. They embarked on a 75-yard, 10-play drive featuring Josh Jacobs with runs of nine yards, four yards, seven yards, six yards, six yards, and three yards for a touchdown to bring the game to nine to seven. The most similar drive I could think of was Super Bowl 28, where tied 13 to 13, Dallas got the ball back after a Bills punt and featured Emmett Smith on a 64-yard drive, which he rushed the ball six times out of the seven plays, totally taking the life out of the Bills at the end of their dynasty. Emmett Smith rushed for 12 more times in the last 18 minutes of that game. Josh Jacobs rushed three more times in the last 33 minutes of that game. How is that possible? Because I think a lot of it is we're trying to get the ball to this receiver. We're trying to get the ball to this guy. And this is what I've said from the beginning. And, you know, my son worked there, and I've said this to them. I've said it to Josh, who I consider a very good friend. But to me, when you're first, when you're when you build a team around a receiver, a star receiver, and you have other problems with your team, you're going to have problems with that team because the receiver's not getting the ball, right? The receiver's not getting the football, and so that's what happens. And all of a sudden, instead of running an offense, you run away to get the ball to the receiver, which you should do. You should should be about the players, but it does sacrifice. I mean, the fourth down play. In the first quarter, I think it was in the first quarter at midfield. If he checks it down to Josh Jacobs, it's a first down for 10 yards. But he keeps looking down the field to throw it, right? Because everybody wants the ball to go to Adams. I think a lot of times when you're trying to force the ball to people, you lose your rhythm. 
And, I, you know, the offense that they're running in, they were running in Las Vegas was not an offense that I was really familiar with based on my experience in New England. You know, I think they got away from what they did best last year, which was run the football. But again, you know, you're trying to make everybody happy. And what happens? No one's happy. So I agree, Mike. I mean, look, you know, the one thing you can't do in this profession is if your expertise is offense as a head coach and the offense is bad, you're going to lose your job. You are going to lose your job. And the Raiders' inability to pay attention to their offensive and defensive lines in the offseason in the last few years, I mean, and this has been going on for a while, is the reason why they can't catch Kansas City or, or the Chargers or even Denver. Watching Jimmy Garoppolo this year, I wonder, I wonder if that was the right decision at all coming into this year, bringing him on, because – Obviously, we have the injury standpoint, but then the way that he's been missing throws and missing guys. And then we talked yesterday, Michael, yep. about the phantom pressure, too, that maybe goes back to the injuries and just how he's feeling. Uh, it just hasn't worked out. It's unfortunate. Now we see him bench this week for the first time. Well, I, did, I right. thought it was so always a Josh, lateral when Josh move. Comes in, right. When Josh comes in, you know, everybody wants to get rid of Carr, but they kind of let it go through with Carr. I mean, like th this car, like Josh wasn't the reason Carr left. The organization was not happy with where they were going and going back to the Gruden administration. So like that was a change that was inevitably happened. The problem is the expectations of once you got rid of them. And then like you said, Stormy, what are we doing? You know, if we're going to get rid of car, we better draft one early. We better get one. We better figure out a way to get up to get one. And they never really did that. And then they didn't sign Stidham back to protect themselves. So now they're teaching an offense to somebody that's new who hasn't played it in six years it starts to become a problem. And a lot of this is a design problem, which then becomes a production problem. And that's why everybody's fingerprints, including Champ Kelly, who was the assistant GM, are involved in making some of these bad decisions. And all these bad decisions is why Dave Ziegler got fired and Josh got fired. Essentially, you get paid for the performance on the field and bad decisions. But when you lose a lead to Arizona, when you lose to Baker Mayfield, when you lose to Saturday in the park, when you lose to a, a Shepard quarterback, you're going to lose your job. Awesome show today. Mike, appreciate your time as always. Thanks to Mike Somich who joined us earlier in the program as well. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi Line. Stick around on VEASAN and DraftKings Network, the Sharp Money Crew or Pablo Torre, depending on where you're watching, coming up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.